I was so, so blessed this morning as we were singing and praising God and I was watching you guys running over to the box and getting streamers and fly or fans and, and noisemakers and you were worshiping God with your bodies and you were worshiping God with your voices and it just brought joy to my heart. And you know what it reminded me of? What? It reminded me of what today is all about. Today what? is a special day in the church calendar. It's called Easter. No, that's next Sunday. We got one Sunday to go for Easter, but what's what is it? Palm Sunday. Why do you think it's called Palm Sunday? Palm Sunday is the day that we remember what they did for Jesus when he was just one week before he died on the cross. What they did was the people saw Jesus and they were like, woohoo, Jesus is coming. You know, when people get excited, they make noise. When people get excited, they wave their arms. Do you know people, sometimes they get so excited, they march when they get excited. I can remember when I was a kid, there were parades. There was lots of music. There was lots of noise. There were people marching all over the place. And I remember once when my wife, when I met my wife, I learned about a special parade that happened in the church of the Nazarene where people took out their handkerchiefs and they were like, woohoo, praise Jesus, woohoo, praise Jesus. And so I wanted to teach you guys how to have a victory march for Jesus. So what I want you to do is grab some kind of a noisemaker or a, a, fly, a streamer or something. Whichever works for you. I like green, so I'm going to use this. Grab something. Quick, 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 quick. Okay, when you do a parade, how do you do a parade? You follow the leader, right? And you just walk in a straight line, and you have to make a lot of noise. Are we ready? Almost ready? Okay, here we go. Let's follow the leader. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Love you, Jesus. We're going to go outside. No, we're not. Okay, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys aren't making enough noise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Woohoo. Woohoo. Okay, sit down. Sit, sit down. That's why old people don't do that. Children do that. Can you? I'll put it back in the box. Now, Audrey told us that the ha this happened when Jesus happened. It was called Palm Sunday. Do you know what a palm is? Do you guys know what a palm is? No. We live in Alaska. We don't have palm trees. But this is a branch off of a palm tree. So they would have had this long branch with all of these leaves. The leaves are kind of long and thin. So they would have broken it off the branch, off the tree and waved it. Well, I want to show you a way to make something really cool out of palm fronds or palm leaves. What you do is you take one of the leaves off and break it and then you split it in half. So you end up with a little thin strip of leaf. We don't have palm leaves here. So what I did was I cut some green paper to look like a palm leaf. Okay, now watch. I'm going to show you how to make something really cool. Christians all over the world do this on Palm Sunday. They take the palm frond, the palm leaf, and then they fold it about halfway. They did, and then, they and then they fold it, 
And then they fold it. And then they fold it. And then they take this part and put it through the little square and pull it. Now it doesn't move. And you see there's a little square there? Yeah. Now watch what happens. You take this and put it back through the square. Put it through the square. Then you put it back through the square again. Isn't that crazy? Then, then you take the bottom one and you put it through the back of the square. And it makes a cross. Isn't that cool? Let me show you again. One more time. You take a palm leaf, okay? And you go to about the half. And you make it like a, like a, like a quarter. And then you fold the bottom part up. Then you fold it back down. Right? Yeah. Then you take the, the side part and you put it back. But then you put it through the square. And pull it. All of you crafty people are watching and taking notes, right? Now, then you take this side piece and you put it through the front of the square. Pull it, pull it, pull it. Put it through the back of the square. Come on. This one's being a little persnickety. And then you take the bottom and you put it through the bottom of the square on the back. And then you pull it through. This one is being persnickety. There we go. And it's a cross. Isn't that cool? Then you take the crosses. A lot of people will take these crosses that are made out of these leaves. And they will put them in their home. And it reminds them to pray. And ask Jesus to bless them. And to thank God for the cross. So here's one for you, Mr. Shane. And one for you, Miss Lilia. One for you, Mr. Adrian. One for you. Your name is not Shiloh. I always want to say Shiloh. Lakin. Ah! It's always, every time I see your name, I want to say Shiloh. And then one for Audrey. There you go, sweetie. And anybody else that wants some, they're up here. I want to, I want to, oh, there's one other thing I wanted to tell you though. This is so cool. But the one thing that's kind of sad, that's a palm leaf. It's not really, it's paper. But it's made to look like a palm leaf. And the palm leaf reminds us that on Sunday, people went, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. But then the same people who carried those those, those palm leaves on Friday, they were going, Jesus, you need to be crucified. Same people. They were going, we love you. You're number one. We love you. You're number one. Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. That's that's what the cross reminds us. That people sometimes are mean and sometimes are bad. And we need to ask God to forgive them. And we need to ask God to help us to not be mean and be bad. But always love God and to always serve God. So that's what that cross helps you to remember too. Yes. Let's pray.
Jesus, bless these kids. Lord, help them when they see this cross to remember that you love them enough, that you want them into in your family, and that you're willing to forgive them of anything that they do wrong. And I pray, God, that they will always point to you and say, we love you, and never point at you and say, I don't want you in my life. God, I praise you. I thank you, and I give you blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you guys can head on with your teachers. And I better get my mess cleaned up. Once, the thing that was so cool with this, I have grown up in churches that did the, the crosses, but they never taught us how to make them. And thank you for YouTube and people who know how to do that because it was so cool to learn. I could never figure out how they got the strips. And I realized that what I learned what they do is they take one leaf and then fold it in half and pull off the rib. And then either side of the leaf is what becomes that little strip of leaf that becomes the, the cross. But anyway, it was really cool and fun. And I had to keep watching the video over and over and over again because I'm not a crafty person. But if I can learn it, you can learn it. All right. One other thing by announcement, I hate to do this, but it, it, it came in literally at six o'clock last night. Um, bear with me. My computer and I are being very good friends today. Come on, you can do it. I'm going to have to take it off of airplane mode. Hopefully it's still going to work. <laughs> okay, we'll do you again. Sorry. What this is, is this, here we go. This is an announcement that I received last night after 6 p.m. And there was no way to get it to Evelyn and, and didn't want to take time this morning to, to, to uh, interrupt anything that was going on. But I do want you to know about it. Um, Journey Christian Church has partnered with Fairhill Church's pastor, Steve Montag. They are having a complete Messianic Jewish Passover Seder meal on Good Friday. You must RSVP and pay in advance, not later than today. So if you're interested, here's your number. Area code 907-457-4673. Let me do that one more time. Area code 907-457-4673. The cost is $10 per person. If they are five age, five years or older, anyone under the age of four is free. And this is a family event. So it's not just for adults. They want the whole family to come. So again, the complete Messianic Jewish Passover Seder meal held on Good Friday, Journey Christian Church with Fairhill Church pastor Steve Montag leading the service. They did not give me the time, so you'll have to call them for the time. The number again is 907 dollars $10 a person, age five and older. Under four is free. Four and under is free. And you must let them know by today. Okay. I would love to go myself, but I already have plans, so... Okay, last week, can you bring up that first slide for me, please? Last week, um, I preached on, well, my sermon for last week was Beyond the Cross. That was the title of my sermon. And during my sermon, I said that there was only one time in all of Jesus' teachings 
that he talked about the cross as part of his teaching. And uh, I was I was challenged this week by a member of our congregation who said, Pastor, I've done a little bit of studying and I think you didn't get it exactly right. And I, I wrote back and said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because they were right. I, I knew that these three passages were in the Bible, in the Gospels, but I didn't say that in my sermon. And I went back and listened to my sermon, and indeed, it sounded like this thing only appears in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 26. It actually is Luke 9, 23, 26, Matthew 16, 21 to 28, and Mark 8, 31 through chapter 9, verse 1. So thank you uh, for keeping me on my toes, and thank you for interacting with the Word of God. And um, as I told you last week, I struggled with why God was having me preach on the cross two weeks before Easter instead of the week before Easter. It's because God is having me preach on the cross for three Sundays straight. So, yoo-hoo, yay. And guess what? Same passages. God's like, there's too much here, and I'm not going to let you get away. You have to come back to this. But we are not looking at nine, Luke 9, 23 through 26. We did that last week. We're going to look at Matthew 16, 21 through 28 this week. And the reason for that is there's some pretty powerful words in this passage that are not found in the Luke passage. Because if you're not familiar with this term, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke form what are, what are called the synoptic gospels. Synoptic means from the same perspective or from the same view. So basically, these are three eyewitnesses giving testimony of what Jesus did. However, whenever you have witnesses giving testimony, you always have different perspectives telling exactly the same thing. So the person may say, I saw the moose run in front of the truck. The other person says, I saw the calf that was following the cow run in front of the red truck. And the other one says, I saw the calf who was in front of its twin and behind its mother cow, and it hit the red truck on the right-hand side as it crossed the road. Okay, so same story, but different facts or different specifics given in the story. None of them are lying. None of them are being deceitful by not sharing all of it. It's just, this is how they communicated what happened. Okay, so we looked at Luke chapter 9 last week in Jesus's teaching on take up your cross and follow me. We're now going to look today at Matthew 16 verses 21 through 28. And don't ask me if we're looking at Mark next week because I don't know yet. I'm praying about it. But for sure, Matthew 16 today. So let's read that. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine that? You take the man that you believe to be God. I mean, Peter, at this point, is believing Jesus to be God, and challenges him? I, it's just, it, it's beyond me. But anyway, it says, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. 
You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now, we'll continue to read this in a second, but I want to stop. What was Peter's motivation in saying what he said to Jesus? It was a, it was a, a, it was spoken out of love. It was spoken out of concern. It was spoken out of care for Jesus. You can't do, no God, you're not going to die. That's crazy. There's too much for you to do. We need you. We can't afford for you to die. No. Take those words and just throw them away. That's not going to happen. And Jesus didn't go, oh, thanks, Peter, for loving on me. I appreciate your words of encouragement. No. What did Peter, what did Jesus turn and say to, to Peter? Get out of my face, Satan. What a slap in the face. I'm offering you love. I'm offering you concern. I'm offering you compassion. And you turn around and slap me in the face? Jesus then turns to the disciples and says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now let's, let's back it up a little bit. Um, if you, if you've got Matthew 16 open, which I had intended to and then I forgot to open it. If you have Matthew 16 open, what has happened just before this? This is, um, just before this passage, because it says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples. Okay, that's verse 21. So Jesus, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he needs to go to Jerusalem. Well, what happened just before that? Just before that, Jesus comes into the district of Caesarea Philippi, verses 13 and following. And he says to his disciples, who do people say that I am, that the son of man is? And they say, well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. And from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him and said, far be it from you, Lord, this should never happen to you. And he turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. 
You're blessed, Peter. You have God, the Holy Spirit, talking to you, revealing truth to you that you couldn't know otherwise. And from your faith, it's like a rock. I'm going to build the church on it. You Satan. But the Holy Spirit of God inspired three writers to talk about this. Luke didn't include this part. And I would submit to you that although Jesus isn't yet in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's heading there. He knows what's coming. He knows what he's getting ready to face. And he has started to reveal to his disciples the truth. It's time for me to close the chapter here on earth. Things are going to come to the point where I am going to be abused, harmed, and ultimately killed. And these are very deep, deep things he's trying to share with his disciples to get them ready. And the very first words out of Peter's mouth are, no, no. And Peter, I mean, Jesus nips it in the bud. Not being mean-spirited or unkind, he recognizes it for what it is. These are the words of Satan. Peter, I've already told you, you're hearing from God. Listen to that voice. Don't listen to the, to the voice of the dark one who is trying to trip all of us up. Who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Who hates the Father so much that he's willing to do anything in order to destroy and stop what the plan is. Get Behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance. You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Because Jesus himself is having to do that very thing. Can you, can you not imagine that the enemy has been whispering to Jesus for weeks? There's got to be some other way. There's got to be some thing else that can happen. Look, look, you've got all these followers. God has his, God has, has alternate plans. You've seen in the past where, look at what Moses did. Moses was able to talk the father out of, out of destroying the Israelites and raising up a new house out of Moses. You can talk to the father. You've got an even closer relationship to the father than, than Moses did. You can talk to the father and you can come up with an alternate plan and say, and Jesus is like, no! No, because Jesus was there when the father said to the serpent, the seed will come and will crush your head. This plan has been in place from the beginning. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit know exactly what needs to happen. The challenge is Jesus is fully human and fully God. And there's this thing about being fully human that makes him not want to hurt, that makes him not want to die. How many of you people have ever worked on a farm or in any kind of a, a an environment where animals have to be sacrificed in order for you to eat? I got invited to somebody's house years ago and they raised rabbits for meat. I mean, that's 
how they fed their family. And they invited us over to their home, my wife and I. And so we get over there to have a meal. And we, we're like, we're just sitting there visiting. And then all of a sudden, the, <laughs> the, the person says, well, let's go out to the barn. Okay. So we go out to the barn. I'm just assuming they're showing us their operation while their spouse is cooking the meal. Is Which one do you want? What do you mean, which one do I want? Which one of those rabbits do you want? For what? I don't need a rabbit. Well, don't you want to eat? Yeah. Which one do you want? I have to decide which one dies? Yeah. Uh, that one? Then they take it out and hand it to me. And then hand me a pipe. And I have to kill it. And then I had to skin it. And then later on, I got to eat it. Mmm. Ooh, that's so good. Really? It's two rivers. <laughs> now, I will not. Another time. Someone raises turkeys in this community. And we're new. Pastor and Bob and Renee are brand new. It's our first or second year here. And this person comes up and says, Pastor, I'm raising turkeys and they'll be ready to go by Thanksgiving. Would you like one for, for Thanksgiving? Sure. Yeah. Fresh turkey, brand, you know, farm raised. That'd be wonderful. So a couple days before Thanksgiving, such and such shows up. Knock, knock, knock. Hi, I'm here with your turkey. Oh, great. Come on, bring it. In. Well, no, I can't bring it in. Come on out. What? <laughs> Renee. <laughs> so we walk, walk, walk out to the driveway where the pickup truck is. And there's Tom standing there proud as anything. And he's like, do you have some place we could hang him? Um, okay. Don't tell the kids. We use the swing set. <laughs> I won't get into all the gross, but just understand he upside down hung things squawking a little bit, then finally stops. Then he pulls out his knife and and lets it begin to drain. And the thing kind of shook a little bit and then stopped and then just continued to drain. And we're just standing there talking and standing there talking. And then it continued to drain. And we're standing there talking. And it continued to drain. And I was like, man. And then finally, after what felt like five minutes, all of a sudden Tom goes, <laughs> Absolutely horrible. And I'm sorry to have to be as graphic as it is, but you need to understand. Tom did not want to die. Tom was dying. It was already a done deal. The throat had been cut. The arteries were severed. The, do the bird was dying. And for upwards of three to five minutes, it was dying. But it, it got to the last moments. And it went, no, 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 until it finally couldn't anymore. And then it died. 
we had a cow in uh, Iraq that we were visiting one of the sheep, <coughs> and his uh, assistant had the cow hanging out the back. And in order for us to get what we needed from the shape, we had to help out killing it. It's not a fun thing. I've been there when other animals have died. It is not a fun thing, but it is reality. And the thing that, the, the thing that I want you to get, and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be graphic for the sense of being, gra- for the sake of being graphic, but you need to understand. Every living thing, every living thing has a desire to not die. And will fight to not die. Even when it's hopeless. And that's what Jesus was facing in those last days and or weeks on earth. He had lived as a human being, a fully human, fully God being for 30, almost 33 years. And he was literally in the last days of his life. And there was this human not wanting to die going on in his chest. Knowing full well that he was facing this. And he then finally begins to give deep, rich, spiritual truth to his followers and says, the day is fast approaching. And the very first thing out of somebody's mouth who's going to be the foundation rock of the church is no way. And literally, I mean, not literally, but Jesus grabs him by the scruff and says, shut up. Shut up. Listen to God. Don't listen to the dark. Leave me alone. Now, I'm not saying he was unkind. I didn't. Jesus didn't do any sin. So don't hear my acting come out in making Jesus do something that wouldn't have been Jesus. But the reality was, this was the struggle that was going on in Jesus' heart. Now, another passage that we looked at last week. Mandy, can you bring up the next slide, please? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We looked at this verse last week. But we didn't focus on... I mean, we looked at this passage last week, but we didn't focus on this particular verse. Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, verses 1 and following... Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to be like Jesus. I have one supreme desire that I could be like Jesus. But it literally says right here, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. Remember, we talked last week about the fact that when he was crucified, he was naked. He was humiliated. He was being treated with disdain. He endured the cross. Why? Look at the phrase just before it. For the joy that was set before him. What joy? What possible joy could come from having to die a humiliating, 
painful, long death. Because he knew what was on the other side. He knew the joy that was awaiting. He knew from the beginning of time when God declared to the serpent, the heel of the seed, Jesus, will crush your head. He knew and could see, his God self could see beyond the cross. But he couldn't in his humanness get beyond the cross without going through and being placed on the cross and literally dying. Again, I don't want to be graphic, but if you go to Luke chapter 22, bring up the next slide, please. If you go to Luke chapter 22, verses 40 through 46, we're not going to take the time this morning to read it, but understand this is a doctor giving you an a quote-unquote uh, an eyewitness report. He wasn't physically present, but he took copious notes from people who were and then put together his report. Luke reported the Gethsemane experience by saying that Jesus was in such great anguish during this time of prayer that the sweat on his forehead fell to the ground and looked like drops of blood. What doctors will tell us is the best guess that we can get is that he literally burst the capillary bed in his forehead. And it it was literally blood coming out of his forehead. He was under so much stress. What was he under? I don't want to die. I know that I have to. I know that the Father has already hung me from the swing set. I know that he has already taken the knife out. I know that he is about to slice. But I don't want to die. Please, God, Father, if there is any way for this to be different, if there is any way that you could make this cup a different cup, not my will, but yours. Now, Luke only reports one of these. We know from the Matthew and the Mark that it's actually three times where Jesus goes into prayer, pleads with God, says, not my will, but thine be done, and then has to come back. And what I'm telling you is I have been there in my own life, not facing death, but facing something I did not want to face and asking God to please not make it happen. And then I thought that I had victory. And I started to walk in that victory and realized, no, I don't. And I fell right back at Jesus' feet and said, I can't do this. Okay. Okay. Okay, we can do this. And get up and go, no, I can't. And fall again. Literally, so much anguish that physiology is happening. Blood dripping from his forehead. But he finally 
is able to stand and say, let's do this. And if you look in Luke, the very next thing that happens is Judas comes up and kisses him. That would have been a Will Smith moment in my mind. <laughs> For those of you who watch TV. But Jesus didn't. Now, Peter did, unfortunately. Peter pulled out the sword and cut off his ear. So Jesus went, oh, and picks up the ear and puts it back on. And then goes off to his death. And again, I don't want to get too much more into this. But if you go back and read, and I encourage you to do it this week, because this this week of all weeks, you should be focusing on this stuff. If you go back and look at the last seven words of Christ on the cross, and you'll find them throughout the four Gospels. You won't find them linearly, linearly in any one of the Gospels. But if you go through and look at the seven last words of Christ, one of the last words is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because it was in that moment that he became aware that all of the sin had come on him. And then at the last, he cried out, Into your hands do I commit my spirit. And honestly, I never, never thought about it until I met Tom hanging from my swing set. That was the the last ditch effort of trying to not die. Knowing it's close. (sighs) Into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he died. If you go back to Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, it says, For what will it profit a man? This is talking about taking up your cross daily. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? Everything that we've talked about this morning, everything, turning palm fronds into crosses, pointing and saying, you're number one, crucify him, crucify him. And all of this about Jesus facing the most horrible thing any human being would face, but knowing they had no choice but to endure it in order to get to the joy that's on the other side. You say you're a Christian. You say, my sins are forgiven, hallelujah. I'm a child of the King. Praise God. But none of that negates you having to take up whatever cross God has placed in your path and asks you to pick up. And as hard as it was for Jesus, I would venture it would be just as hard for you to pick up 
I can tell you from personal experience, I'm not going to get into it, but I can tell you from personal experience, there have been times going, God, I don't want to do this. Please don't make me do this. Please, God, don't make me do this. And God has never, in those moments, said, oh, never mind, it's okay. He said, you can do this. I'll be here with you. Come on, let's do this. Come on, pick it up, carry it. But once I got to the other side, the joy, the knowledge of knowing that God didn't fail me, didn't forget, didn't leave me, didn't forget me. And this was nothing compared to what Jesus had to go through. But the challenge, the problem is, we get so focused on this side of that cross. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I just can't. And we don't look to what God is showing us is beyond the cross. And we need to learn that when he hands us a cross, we are to take it. And we are to endure that cross until you get beyond that cross. If you say you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's how Jesus did things. It was hard. He didn't want to. He prayed desperately. God, please, 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 please. But when push came to shove, when there was no more please, 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 when the father said, okay, enough, let's get on with this. He stood there and took it and carried it and died. Why? Because he was looking to the joy that was beyond. But he had to go through to get to the joy. Let's pray. Father, as we go through this week, this holy week, bring us close to that, Lord. Help us, God, to, to just really, really reflect on who we are in you. Are we really carrying the cross that you've given to us? Are we doing it well or are we shirking the responsibility for fear or for whatever other reason? And God, I plead with you, help us, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you and the hope that we have in you and the joy that's beyond, but help us to endure while we continue to process through whatever it is that you lay before us. And Lord God, bring us back together again next Sunday in a state of celebration and excitement over what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give you praise, God. We give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.